Good morning and welcome to the Sunday morning worship service, May the 3rd, at Sweat Memorial Baptist Church. And once again, I think this is about the sixth or seventh online worship service that we have provided, and your response is wonderful. Thank you for worshiping in this way, and thank you for sharing it with your friends. And also, I would just like to say to those who maybe are seeing Sweat Memorial for the first time, I welcome you as if you were sitting right out here in one of these pews, and I want you to know that we are available to you if we can minister in any way. After this worship experience, our address and everything will be clear there. And when we all get back into church, we'd love to have you visit with us if you don't have a church that right now uh, is a regular part of your life. I always like to share, especially in the past week or two, because everybody wants to know what we're thinking here. And we're following other churches, and we're consulting with one another. And for us, the Georgia Baptist Convention, and of course, the Center for Disease Controls, and and the task force out of Washington are sending down a lot of guidelines. And with businesses opening up, we want to kind of see how things go, uh, make sure we don't have a spike in illness. And I would like to think that sometime by late May that we would be ready to come back in here. And we already are drafting the protocol to come back, to come back safe. And we'll be sharing that with you as we lock in the date. And again, I pray that this time of worship will be very special to you. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this wonderful opportunity, for the word that you touched my heart with and in the way that you touched it. And I pray that it will be helpful and that it will touch hearts and people who have not accepted you will say, as a result of this, I believe in Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I want to live for you. I pray if someone listening has accepted you, but they have drifted away, that they will say, I'm coming home, Lord. I'm coming home. And we welcome you here. Or we thank God for wherever he leads you to worship. And just pray now for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And forgive us of our sins, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Our main text today and several other passages we'll be referencing, I seem to keep coming back to the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew and the subject of prayer, and I'll tell you why in just a moment, but we're looking at Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12, and that is part of the prayer instructions or guidance of the Lord. I don't know about many of you, but I really am enjoying a lot of worship uh, by way of television, uh, ministers, especially on Sunday, that I normally wouldn't have the opportunity to hear. And it always makes me feel good when one of them is up preaching and says, now, uh, I told you this just the other week, but I want to repeat it, or you've heard me say this before. Well, this is a very familiar passage that I like to share uh, from time to time on prayer. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. The title is, Think, exclamation mark, Pray, exclamation mark. The way this came to me, yesterday I had some quiet time, some downtime, 
and the Lord had not yet placed on my heart what to share today. And I was having one of my prayer times, and I'm one of those transparent preachers, and I just hope that if you know that I can have, you know, these times of challenge, that I'm no different than you are. But I was praying, and I don't know if it's because I was tired. I had a lot on my mind, but about halfway through the prayer, I threw up my hands, and I just said, what are you doing? It was like the prayers of the Pharisees that Jesus called their hand on for rambling on and on and on, and that I needed to stop, and I needed to think, and I needed to pray. I love the passage in Romans 8. We always go to Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord. But back in verse 26 is a very encouraging verse to help us in our prayer life, and it says, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, and that's true sometimes, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and says, wait a minute, you need to stop, you need to think, and you need to begin this prayer again. So I want to share with you this passage in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus gives us some wonderful, wonderful guidance in our prayer life. There's three main points to the outline today, and the first one is Jesus identifies here three ways to pray. I read here verse 7 and 8, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Three ways to pray. I always like to give credit, as I've said to you before, where credit is due. And this was brought to my attention in a beautiful, beautiful study Bible called the Open Bible. And the footnote there talks about these three different ways of praying. And so the first of these under three ways to pray is asking and receiving. Ask, and it will be given to you. This is when we believe in our heart that we know what God's will is, and so we simply ask Him. I don't mark these passages in my Bible. Maybe it gives you a chance if you want to turn to them, but 1 John chapter 5, just so that we are very, very clear, verses 14 and 15 and the Apostle John says, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. I use a daily prayer calendar put out by Tony Evans' ministry. And one the other day says, do not worry if you pray poorly worry if you don't pray at all. If you feel like you pray poorly, here is a good first way to think about prayer, and that is asking and receiving when you know in your heart what God's will is. James, in James chapter 4, verse 2 says that you have not because you ask not, because you have not asked Every once in a while, somebody will come to me, and in fact, it's one of the primary things that people will come and say, 
Pastor, I need help with my prayer life. I'm not so sure that I know how to pray. I don't even know that the prayer is getting to the ceiling there. Or they are break, sharing a dilemma with me. And I'll say, well, have you prayed about it? And every once in a while, somebody will say, well, you know, I, I just hate to bother God with this. And the response is, if it's too little to pray about, it's too little to worry about, friends. But James tells us that we have not because we ask not. And so that first way of praying is to simply ask. Ask. I like the story of a little boy, and I resonate with it today with our children out of school so much. This little boy was home for a day, and he was very, very, very bored. And they lived on a slight hill, and a rock was jutting out in the middle of the yard. And they kept talking, we're going to dig that rock out. We're going to pull that out. We're going to make a little stone wall. We're going to do a little flower garden. So that day, that little boy decided, that's my job today. I'm going to dig that big rock out of that bank. Well, it's bigger than he thought, went deeper than he thought. And he worked all day long. And that evening when his dad came in, he saw what he was doing and how exasperated the little boy was. And he said, son, are you using all your power? And the little boy looked at his daddy and said, of course I am. And his daddy said, no, you're not. You haven't asked me to help you. What are you dealing with in life that you have not simply asked God to help you with? I often reference Charles Allen because he's such a lovely communicator of the gospel now with Jesus Christ in our state. Some may remember him as pastoring Grace Methodist Church right in the heart of Atlanta. Went from there to the first Methodist Church of Houston, Texas at that point, the largest Methodist church in the world. Dr. Allen from Georgia and went to Young Harris College. And he writes in one of his books how that when he arrived at school, he just happened to hear music coming from the chapel. He walked into the chapel, and the prettiest girl he'd ever seen in his life was sitting there playing the piano. I would not put this past Charles Allen, what a beautiful human being he was. He tells that he walked up to her and asked her, will you marry me? And she said, yes. The next day, he saw her at a college social and walked up to her and asked her the second name, second question that he'd ever asked and said, oh, by the way, what is your name? Four years later, they were married and had a lovely, lovely life. And Charles Allen says, you know, there's a lot of things in life you're not going to get if you don't ask. It always makes me think about when I ask my wife to marry me. February of 1969, we were students at Mercer University, and I asked Charlotte to marry me, and right away she said yes. I mean, what would you expect, you know? So we both went to our dorms and called our parents, and I'll never forget calling my parents in Rome, Georgia. My mother answered the phone, and I said, Mother, Charlotte and I are getting married. And she said, how do you know? And I said, I asked her. And she said, why'd you do that? And then she said, do you want to talk to your daddy? And I said, yeah, I want to talk. Think, pray. There's three ways to pray. If you know God's will, ask, ask. A second way to pray is right here, seeking and finding. That's when you don't know God's will. 
and it says seek and you will find. We know what seek means. It means to look. It means to search. Every once in a while, I will have someone come into my study and they will say about a situation, I don't know how to pray. That's why I read that Romans 8 passage because I look at them and I encourage them in a very nice way and I say to them, that's a very exciting place to be. Because if you don't know how to pray, you don't know God's will, you don't know what to do, then you want to seek God's will and He will reveal it to you. Colossians chapter 3 tells us about seeking things above. The first two verses says, If then you were raised with Christ, meaning saved, born again, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. You say, I don't know what to pray. Set your mind on Christ. He's at the right hand of the Father. Ask Him to show you, reveal His will to you, and He will. One of my favorite books from a long time ago is entitled Decision Making and the Will of God by Rosen and Frazine. And in it, they give seven road signs to help determine the will of God. And one of them is circumstantial evidence, and we call that signs. Things that seem to be pointing toward God's will. One of my favorite illustrations is that of rattling the doors. Visualize a hall. We've got a long hall in our education building. Lots of doors. If you don't believe me, ask the man that just painted them. Lots of doors up and down the hall. Imagine that every one of them is closed and locked but one. You'll never know which one is it until you go down that hall, start grabbing doorknobs and rattling them. If you've got a situation in your life and you don't know what God's will is, you need to be looking for those signs, and this is where we talk about open doors and closed doors, and God will reveal to you the door that is open. I share this, and that is the year 2019 for me was filled with a lot of personal decisions, and I sought God's will in every bit of it, and along the way, there were closed doors, and along the way, there were open doors. And I stand here today convinced, Romans 8, 28, all things do work together for good to those that love the Lord. The third way to pray, knocking and opening. Knock and it will be open to you. This is when we know God's will. We believe in our heart, but it's not happening. This is all a timing. God doesn't work by our time. We work by His time. And here's where we persevere in prayer. This is where we keep praying. Jesus tells us that we ought to pray and not faint. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1 through 8, He talks about a widow who has been unjustly treated. She keeps trying to hear a judge hear her case. He won't give her the time of day. Finally, He says, she's going to wear me out. I'm going to have to hear her case. And Jesus says, how much more your Father in heaven will hear your prayer, your case, don't give up. 
Jesus told the disciples one day when they could not cure a little boy of a terrible, terrible possession. But Jesus simply spoke and the boy was healed. They wanted to know why they couldn't. And Jesus said, this only comes by prayer and fasting. Sometimes all we have to do is ask. Sometimes we have to seek. But sometimes we just need to settle down, not faint, maybe spend time fasting and praying until God opens that door. One of my favorite illustrations is of a great, great, great prayer warrior, George Muller, who lived in England in the mid-19th century. And in November of 1844, he committed himself to praying for five friends to accept Jesus Christ. It was 18 months before the first one accepted Christ. It was five more years until the second one accepted Christ. It was six years until the third one accepted Christ. It was after his death that the other two accepted Christ. George Muller prayed for 52 years for five people, never given up, sickness, whatever. He kept knocking, knocking, knocking. What have you given up on? Pick up the prayer cloth again and keep knocking. The second thing to remember about prayer, that first point was the three ways to pray, asking, seeking, and knocking. But we need to be reminded that there are three wills of prayer, three wills of prayer. You know this, we'll be looking at some scriptures here. But the first will that is so critical in our prayer life is God's will. And that is to pray in the name of Jesus. John chapter 14 and several times in that passage of scripture, in that book, I flipped to it. And I've noticed when we are watching this, you can actually hear the pages flipping here. But in John chapter 14, that incredible passage where Jesus begins with, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In verse 13 through 14, he says, And whatever you ask in my name, that means according to his will, I'll do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Again, over in chapter 15, verse 16, he says, if I can find it here, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. And then over in chapter 16, verse 23, he says the same thing. He says, in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. And again in 1 John, and I won't flip to there, chapter 3, verse 22, the same thing. The wills of prayer a powerful prayer life is prayed in the name of Jesus as Jesus himself prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but your will be done. I shared with you a moment ago that book, Decision Making and the Will of God, and that one of the road signs to God's will is circumstantial evidence. God will give us signs so many times pointing us in the right direction. Another road sign, the most critical one, is the Bible. It's the Bible. God will never 
contradict his word, his nature. If you are not praying in harmony with the Bible, you are wasting your time. Years ago, when I pastored Central Baptist Church here in this city, Waycross, one of the wonderful opportunities I had was to go out to the shops at the railroad and preach at a weekday uh, worship service during their lunchtime. And God laid a passage of scripture on me. Waycross is known for the crossing of the ways, and it's a big railroad town even now. And if you don't believe me, just try to drive from one side of town to the other. But I looked at a map, and I saw that the train tracks left Waycross in about six different directions. Now, that was 40 years ago. I don't know how it goes now. And we have a lot more overpasses than we do. But it blesses me every time I see the trains moving and the big trailer trucks. And it lets me know that, in a lot of ways, America's still at work. And so I stood before those guys that day, and I always like to tell this. The whistle would go off, the lunch whistle at noon. Somebody would pull a wood box out from under a bench. I'd jump up on it, and I'd start preaching. And I tell folks that while I was preaching, some would listen, some would eat lunch, some would read the paper, and some would go to sleep. Kind of like a regular Sunday morning crowd, you know? But that Sunday I got up and I said, Jesus says there's only two ways out of this world. There's six ways out of Waycross by railroad, but there's only two ways out of this world. There's the broad way that leads to destruction and many go in, or there is the narrow way and straight is the gate that leads to life. In the Bible, and I said there's only two ways, there's a right way, God's way, there's a wrong way, that's Satan's way, and a young man made me aware one day that there's a third way, and it's in the Proverbs, and I didn't search it, I apologize. It says there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is death. The first will of prayer is in the name of Jesus, and God will never answer a prayer that contradicts his will and his word. A second will of prayer is self-will, a selfish prayer, self-will. I'm going to label this the sinful prayer. James tells us, the book of James in chapter 4, there's a lot of great prayer verses in the book of James. Verse 3 says, you ask and you have not, you receive not, because you ask amiss. You ask selfishly. You ask to consume it on yourself. God will not answer a selfish prayer. Psalm 66 verse 18 is one that always challenges my heart. And it says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, which means if I have sin, know I have sin, keep it in my heart, he will not hear my prayers. Before, before we pray as a part of our prayer we need to confess of our sins let me take a little side road here one of the best little things that I ever ran into about instructing us in our prayer is the acronym ACTS A-C-T-S and that our prayers should begin with adoration worshiping and praising God C is confessing confessing of our sins T is for thanksgiving, thanking God for his blessings. 
and S is for then supplications. Those are the requests that we make of him. Job chapter 27, verse 8 and 9 says, The hypocrite has no hope. God will not hear his prayer. Let me give you another of those road signs to God's will. I gave you circumstantial evidence, which are signs. I gave you the Bible, which tells us plainly what God is all about. But another road sign is that of personal desire. I'm one of those individuals. Some people just believe that God just always wants to drag them kicking and screaming into something that they don't want to be a part of. But I believe in my heart, I believe in my heart that God places within our heart a desire for His will that helps us and brings us joy in being obedient to Him. I don't have any doubt at the age of 16 that God called me to preach. Been doing it 54 years, glory to God, today. All right, here's where I'm making a mistake. It's Friday, May the 1st, okay? May the 1st, 1966, I accepted God's call to preach. 54 years ago, I have been preaching the gospel, and I love it more all the time. But Rosen and Frazine tell us that we've got to be careful of two things. When we are praying and wanting God to desire or grant the desires of our heart. And that is, if we are not careful, we'll be guilty of a attitude of filthy rags. And that's what I was saying. If I want this, surely God doesn't want it for me. That's not the right attitude. But then others go to the other extreme, and that is identical twins. If I want it, God surely wants it for me. The three wills of prayer, God's will in the name of Jesus, self-will, the sinful prayer. But here's one that people don't think about, free will. Free will. I'll have people come to me and their heart is broken and sometimes has been broken for years for a friend, for a family member that is out of God's will, that is in danger, maybe has never accepted Jesus Christ, is living a risky lifestyle and they have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing is happening and there's where they begin to doubt. Do I know how to pray? Am I saved? Are my prayers getting to the ceiling? And here's where I'm able to look at them and say, it's not you, it's them. They are exercising their free will to resist God. And they will tell me, what do I do? And I say, you pray harder. And I call this the passionate prayer. James chapter 5, verse 16 tells us about Elijah. And this is one of those great verses that says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And because of Jezebel, and because of Baal worship, and because of the idolatry and the filth and the degradation that had seized Israel, Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years, and they really got desperate. But after God showed who he was on Mount Carmel in the contest between Elijah and the prophets of Baal, 
Elijah then prayed, and it began to rain like it had never rained before. The Bible warns us about hardening our hearts. Psalm 95, verse 7 through 9 says, Do not harden your heart. And in Proverbs it says, Those who harden their hearts, they fall into mischief. Somebody out there that you're praying for is hardening their heart. They're using their free will to resist God. There's probably not anything wrong with you spiritually. And so again, I say to you, pray harder, pray harder, pray harder. One of the finest little devotional books you'll ever read is Quiet Talks on Prayer by S.D. Gordon. And in it, it tells of a mother that prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for her son. He was a merchant marine. He was gone all the time. But she knew, she knew that he had never accepted Jesus Christ. But she never gave up praying. And oh, if you ever get your hands on the little book, there's the story where one morning the ship was anchored in the Bay of Bombay out of India. He got up early and he walked out on the front of the deck. The sun was just coming up. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit seized him of the power, the beauty, and the reality of God. And he fell on his knees and gave his life to Jesus Christ. There's three wills of prayer, God's will, self-will, and free will. And oh, my friend, don't ever give up Seek the heart of God, pray harder, and I would love to hear of an answer to prayer. And the last point of this message entitled Think, Pray, the first point was the three ways to pray. The second point was the three wills to pray. And the third point, and everyone knows this, I say everyone, I shouldn't have said that, but there's three answers to prayer. People will tell you that God answers all prayers. There's yes, there's no, and there's wait. A yes prayer, I believe, is the prayer that we pray in the name of Jesus. And it's the prayer that we pray seeking, seeking his will. And the prayer that we pray never, never, never giving up. Psalm 36.4 says, Those who delight in the Lord, He grants the desires of their heart. I'm a strong believer that God loves to say yes to His children. God loves to say yes to His children. I love to say yes to my children, and I even love saying yes to my grandchildren even more. But God loves to say yes and this is one of my favorite illustrations out of, out of my life. Pastoring in large cities, I pastored in Louisville, Kentucky, Atlanta, Richmond, Virginia. It's not like Waycross or Blackshear. You don't head home in the evening without asking if they need anything. Because once you get home, you're not going back out. So one night as I was leaving the church there in Richmond, I called home. I asked Charlotte, did she need anything? Here's where you had phones throughout the house. And my youngest daughter, Sarah, picked up an extension and said, Hey, Dad, pull through McDonald's and get us some hot, fresh French fries. Now, I don't know what had been going on there, but Charlotte said, No, don't. Don't you dare. So I left the church. Guess where I went? Straight to McDonald's. Pulled through the drive-thru. Got a big bag of hot, fresh French fries. 
And when I walked in the front door, two little girls came running at the smell of French fries, and yay, Daddy's home. Charlotte looked around the door from the kitchen and said, Well, if it isn't the yes man. Well, when I finished at First Baptist Blackshear just a few months ago, one of the members said, We need our next pastor to be just like you. And I said, What is that? And she said, A yes man. I want to tell you, Charlie Shedd, who wrote Promises to Peter at the birth of his youngest child, said, Peter, I will say yes to you every time I can. As a pastor, I'm going to say yes every time I can. I believe God loves to say yes to his children. But sometimes there's that answer to prayer, which is a no. I'm labeling this, Father knows best. Father knows best. The rest of this passage of Scripture says, after we've talked about ask and seek, and not. Beginning with verse 9, it says, What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil or bad or just a regular human being, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God knows what's best for us. And sometimes no is really a yes. No is about the best answer that we can have. Meditating last night, laying there before I went to sleep, I thought, wouldn't it be something when we get to heaven, if there's three boxes or there's three billboards or three something when we get there of our prayer life? And there would be on one prayers that God said yes. On another prayers that said God said no. And I believe that we'll look at those that said no and we'll say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for not answering those prayers. Father knows best. And the third answer to prayer is that of wait. And here the phrase I use is, good things come to those who wait. Another thing that I use is, haste makes waste. Haste makes waste. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord. Again, I say, wait on the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. Somebody listening right now is saying, Brother Bill, you've got me here. I'm not real good at waiting. I'm kind of like the guy that prayed one time to God, Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. Well, let me close by telling you how to wait. Number one, wait. If God says, wait, wait. But number two, work. Do what you know to do. God's not going to bless you with what you're waiting for if you slack off on what you know to do and what you're supposed to be doing. And thirdly, watch for those signs that God is at work. And good things do come to those who wait. And so I was praying the other day, and all of a sudden I held up my hands, and I know the Holy Spirit said, what are you doing? You're praying like a Pharisee. You're not making any sense. And God said, think, pray. My heart to you is, think, pray. And oh my, how God will bless your heart. I love you. I'll see you real soon.